Well, that is a new movement. It's really not new, but it's uh, gaining steam in the United States. Started about six years ago in the man's garage. He had uh, gotten tired of being burned out, uh, doing long distance, doing these other things. And so he started in his garage and now there are only over 4,000 boxes. They don't even call them gyms. They call them boxes. You go to a CrossFit box. And uh, who knows how many other garages have been transformed into that. And this series is not about CrossFit, uh, though I may mention it regularly. But I'm fascinated. If you listen to that video, I am fascinated with how people approach CrossFit almost like a church. And there's a book out there called Inside the Box, and they devote an entire chapter to that phenomenon, and they call it cold fit. Is this a church? And they walk through the sociological effects of CrossFit on people's lives. I mean, did you just catch all the references to what could be perfectly taken from the physical world of CrossFit, CrossFit into the spiritual world of um, the church? Let me tell you about CrossFit. They want to evangelize. They want to tell people about CrossFit because CrossFit has changed their life. They said they're making people better. They're emphasizing the physical, but though it transfers into other. Uh, there's a team atmosphere. You've heard the word family. That almost sounds like a church where everybody knows your name and they love you. And you've heard that one guy, I'm a part of something bigger. That almost sounds like a church on mission. And then I'm accountable. And you heard him. He said, I'm accountable to my community. I mean, my class. He's even using that language that sounds like somebody who walks in obedience and community. Uh, the workout is different every day. That they have to be prepared. If you walk into CrossFit, you absolutely don't know what's going on uh, for that day's workout. You have to be able to flex and be uh, to do the unexpected, to be ready in season and out of season. Um, and it, I love it. They don't let you quit. That should be a message of the church. It sounds like a saints who want to persevere together. And then at the end, you heard the guy said it's emotional. It's incredible. Because they're motivated, they're excited about what they do. And he ends with expressing your fitness in everyday life. And I thought that is the perfect connection to what we're trying to do. We're trying to show you today how physical fitness transfers into spiritual fitness. Or physical discipline transfers into spiritual discipline. And this is nothing new. The physical is a parable of the spiritual. You've heard in Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims His handiwork. There the psalmist is showing you, especially where we live. Go outside today, you look up, and you cannot say, wow, we evolved. You have to go, that is spectacular. Especially if you look that direction with all the mountains. You heard Paul say it in Romans 1. For what can be known about God is plain to them. It is plain. It is not a mystery. Because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power, His divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and things that have been made. So they are without excuse. The physical is a parable for the spiritual. And it's the same for sports. It's the same for physical fitness. That's why we're doing a series called Fit for Life. How can we train for godliness? That's the subject of today's talk. And so we're going to see how physical discipline relates to spiritual discipline. Uh, we're going to see... A Today, we're going to talk, talk about, literally talk about physical exercise and spiritual exercise. Both are important. One is more important than the other. And so today's routine, if you wanted to 
get into it with us is a world of fitness. We live in a world of fitness. We have always lived in a world of fitness. I hope to prove that to you. And then we're going to look at what does the word say about fitness. And then we're going to look at our workout of the week. So let me begin with a world of fitness. What is physical fitness? So I just went and looked up the definition, the state of health and well-being. That's good. And physical fitness is achieved through physical exercise, just like mental fitness is achieved through mental exercises, just like musical fitness is achieved, and we could go on. So if you want to be good at playing the piano, you've got to go through piano practice. Why is this important? Why is physical fitness important? It's important because it helps maintain, helps us maintain our physical health. Physical fitness is good for you. We all know that. But before I get into diving into physical fitness, so it's not a promotion of any one particular thing, let me set the context of physical fitness within the realm of the sovereignty of God. Psalm 139.16, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Psalm 139.16, the psalmist is saying there, your entire life is in the hands of God. Amen? He knows all your days. And in Psalm 90.12, so teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. One pastor has said it like this, some godly people who exercise regularly and eat well drop dead at an early age. And some sedentary overeaters live to be 90. Our days are set by God, not us. You won't live any longer and shorter than God decides. Did you catch that? You won't live any longer or any shorter than God decides, ultimately. So we, we can get in here and we can talk about, we can read all the books about live longer. It's been decided. You have to approach physical fitness with that in mind. But keep in mind that some people, this is this pastor, have survived a plunge over Niagara Falls. That doesn't make it wise. So just because some survive it, it doesn't mean we're all going to go out and do it. But what's the point? There are two, if you're into trail running, there are two wrong trails to run on here. Number one is, oh, our days are numbered. So who cares about physical fitness? Throw me a cheeseburger, put it with cheese fries, and give me a cheese milkshake. I don't know, but just pile it on. Because it doesn't matter. That's just not true. So that's one thing. We don't want to run down that trail. Physical fitness doesn't matter. Our days are numbered. Nor do we want to run down the trail, right, of caring too much about our physical fitness, of our library being consumed with this zone diet or this paleo diet or this 17 ways to build a better body or 42 ways to look better tomorrow. You just go to your library. They're there. So we don't want to run down either one of those roads. One is ignorant. One, is, The other is idolatry. And both are disobedient to God. God has numbered our days. We should number, therefore, teach us to number our days. But we should want to take care of God's temple. More on that in a minute. What is proper? What is proper about physical fitness? The guys at CrossFit say that endurance, stamina, strength, flexibility, coordination, balance, agility, accuracy, power, and speed. You're as fit as you can do those things. That's a lot to remember. So I've given you four. General fitness, right? And we're going to talk about this over the next few weeks. But proper nutrition, it really goes down to that because you are changed from the inside out. Good mobility. We should be able to touch our toes, 
right? Flexibility. I'll show you how that relates to the spiritual life. Strength training, both cardiovascular and muscular. You need to be strong. The Bible says, be strong in the Lord in the strength of His might. And rest. Sabbath. We need to get enough rest. And you need to have a deliberate plan. These things don't just happen. Very few, and I look around, and there are a few of you who could get up and run a marathon. The Lord bless you, special people that don't have to train. You just, you're just naturally fit. Uh, there are people in here who don't exercise, and then I go up to ride a mountain bike with them, and they're like, what's taking you so long? I'm like, well, I'm not like you, Superman. You know? But when we're kids, we don't need a plan, right? The kids are physically fit. Unfortunately, we live in a technological society where we're becoming more sedentary. That's why this latest uh, series of The Biggest Loser, they were, they were pinpointing childhood obesity. That's why the NFL has play, NFL Play 60, that it's now making its way down. Children aren't as fit as they used to be. But we need to have a plan. In fact, I found there's one person in our congregation. I asked them, I said, can I share with the congregation your plan? And this is just how it started for this person. They said, very nicely, I am fit for life. That fits our series. Here's what they said. It should be up there for you. As a steward of the body that God has entrusted to me. That is a great way to start anything when it comes to planning. As a steward of the body, as a steward of the home, as a steward of whatever. That is great. I eat healthy, maintain an appropriate body weight, and exercise at least three times a week. This allows me to remain active and engage in whatever physical activities I choose. I believe that physical health and mental health are closely related, and nurturing both is therefore desirable. God willing, I will remain active into my old age. That's good. That's good. And so you've got to have a plan. Nutrition, uh, flexibility, strength training, um, rest, and a plan. So let me tell you in 10 minutes or less about sport, the history of sport, the history of physical fitness. Uh, you look it up and they say sport has been around since people have been around. It, is all, it was often used as a useful way to master nature and the environment. Uh, archaeologists, if you go back, and you look at what archaeologists have found in Mongolia in 7000 B.C., you see wrestling and crowds around cheering them. Uh, if you go to Libya in 6000 B.C., you see swimming and archery. Um, if you go to, there's one place, if you go in 2500 B.C., the beautiful game is recorded on a wall. The beautiful game, soccer being the beautiful game, 2500 B.C. There are records of wrestling, long jump, weightlifting, shooting in Egypt. Uh, there are records that we know of in 1776 B.C. We call it the Olympics. The first games were in 1776 B.C. They began with one sprinting event. Now look at us now. We have curling, the luge, badminton. Is badminton a sport? I mean, uh, it is. I know. I mean, is it really a sport? Who thought of taking two fly swatters, Right. In the kitchen, oh, I know, I'll take an avocado seed, this little doily, I'll tie it up, and we'll just hit it over a lowered volleyball net. It's a birdie, excuse me. It's so much so, it's such a sport, I, 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 didn't, I did enjoy researching this. Um, in London, in 2012, the New York Times, they had, a, they had the headlines, Badminton Scandal Rocks the Sport. Ah. 
you saw them. They got kicked out of the Olympics. But you have the Greek gymnasium, right? You go back to the ancient Greeks. We're in a gymnasium. That comes from ancient Greece. You have the Roman stadium. You have a knight's tale. Have you ever seen that movie where jousting was uh, popular in the Middle Ages? But then you get into the 1600s. And the British actually brought us professional sports, your first professional sports team in 1660. The Russians brought us right there, that little black thing, the kettlebells in 1700. In the 1800s, Dr. James Naismith created basketball. 1960s, you had a professional sports team, the most popular professional sports team of all time. American team, you should see a picture of it up there. The Dallas Cowboys. Serious. How about 1970? Phil Knight popularized what? Some of you are wearing them today. Running shoes. Phil Knight gets with Bill Bowerman and they come up with Nike. And I looked at that. Nike is based off the Greek goddess of victory. Interesting. Uh, Then you had, I forget, right around when he has, remember Jack LaLanne and Juicing? Long before uh, Juicing was popular, there's Jack LaLanne. He's the juice man. You had Kenneth Cooper gave you aerobics. Judy Shepard Massette gave you jazzercise. But fitness would not be complete without a picture of Arnold, right? The female version of Arnold was named Corey Everson. She had a show when I was growing up called Body Shaping. Anyone? Nobody. Okay. How about this guy? You can't forget this guy, Richard Simmons. He's a part of the physical fitness world. You have Denise Austin. You have Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig, Billy Blanks, gave you Tybo, Tony Horton, and P90X. And what would the world be without a... Nutribullet. Huh? What would it be without a Nutribullet? That is a short history for you on nutrition and fitness. What about today? Anybody in here with a degree in nutrition or exercise science? I know there are three or four of you. One, two, there are four at least. So that is that is something that people are still getting educated in. The industry itself, $21.4 billion. Billion dollars. One of the most popular TV shows, The Biggest Loser, you have Bob Harper, Jillian Michaels. Uh, and there's a whole fitness subculture. You go to California, they've got a fitness subculture. You go to Colorado, they have a fitness subculture. People, it is one week from today, it's the last time, and there are people from even as we speak who are getting out there to get some turns in, right, white gold, because that's our fitness subculture. It happens every year, right around Thanksgiving. You see these things in the paper. Come get ski ready. I mean, all, all you're doing is you're paying a, a trainer to go have you do wall sits. Come to my house, pay me. We can do the same thing. I can have you do push-ups and wall sits. But it's a subculture. So much so it's crept into the church. Did you know that? Check, look at this picture of this Bible. The Extreme Sports Bible. Um, ESB, not to be confused with the ESV. But you're thinking, that's great. Thanks for giving me your insights on fitness. What does the Bible have to say? No problem. The Bible has a lot to say about fitness. It references it quite a bit. It it never comes right down and says you need to run or you need to do push-ups. But it references it in light of the spiritual. In Genesis 32, you got Jacob who wrestled with God. The Hebrew word there is literally to grapple. Uh, 
1 Samuel 20, Jonathan shoots arrows. It, apparently they had a target out there and it was just customary for them to shoot arrows. A lot of times if you think about sport and you think about what's going on, it's a microcosm of war. Let's just call it what it is. But they're shooting those arrows for sport because they're training to become accurate for war. How about the New Testament? The New Testament has plenty to say about your body. 1 Corinthians 6, starting in verse 19, or do you know not? Not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you. Your body is a temple. Whom you have from God. Every single person in here created in the image of God. Your body is a temple. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. And Paul gives you a command. Glorify God with our bodies. That's what we must do. We don't idolize them. They are not idols, but they are vessels for us to be in good shape so that we can carry out the ministry. That should be the one, if you were to go read the article, How Do I Exercise for the Glory of God? That should be, there should be two main reasons that you exercise. Number one, it's the body God's given me and I'm going to be a good steward of it. That doesn't mean you have to bench like Arnold, you know, the big gun that he had. doesn't mean you want to take care of your body and you want to be healthy to take care of your family, to take care of the church, and to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. Amen? That is why we need to be in shape. Purposeful. Uh, you have 1 Corinthians 9. Did you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? Paul makes a, a spiritual connection here. Run that you may obtain it, that we should be purposeful. We should run. We should approach our spiritual life the way a runner would approach a race. You want to finish the race. You want to, you want to go forward. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. He's making reference to those early Greek Olympics. That's all they got. They went through all that um, exercise, all that preparation for their few seconds of a chariot race, a sprint, a javelin throw to receive a perishable wreath. Here you get the Wheaties box. You get on the talk show the next day. They just did it for a perishable wreath. But Paul says, we do it for something imperishable. And so Paul says, I don't run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. He's saying, if I were a runner, I would run with focus. If I were a boxer, I would box with a focus. And he says this, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. I discipline my body. And so we discipline our bodies physically. We discipline our bodies spiritually. We'll talk about that in a minute. Some of your translations, I know what you're thinking. Your translation says, I buffet or I buffet my body. This is not Golden Corral here. I buffet my body. It's discipline. So whoever put buffet in there leads to wrong application. 2 Timothy 2.5, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. We all know that. Went and saw a soccer game yesterday and the referee was doing a great job. These are young boys and they weren't throwing the ball in correctly. You go over your head and you throw it in. You can't lift your foot. He would call them out because he's keeping them accountable. If you're going to play the sport, you've got to do it right. And Hebrews 12.1 and 2. Everybody in here, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a runner. Did you know that? Maybe not physically, but you're a runner. Look at Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight 
That is, there are non-sinful things that we don't need to be carrying around. And sin, the sin of unbelief, which clings so closely. And let us run. See, he's making a connection, physical and spiritual. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How? Looking to Jesus, the founder and protector of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We are called to run. We are called to run the race set before us. We are called to run the race unencumbered and enduring. Amen? And so that brings me right up to what I want to cover today. 1 Timothy 4, 6-9. Turn with me there and we'll go deeper into these uh, verses. 1 Timothy 4, 6-9. through <clears throat> Paul begins. It's a letter to Timothy... But all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for all of us. And so this isn't just for pastors. This is for every believer. But he talks about false teachers and he talks about the gospel in chapter 1. He talks about the priority and the importance of prayer in chapter 2. He talks about the qualifications for elders and deacons in chapter 3. And in 4, he comes back to this idea that there's false teachers out there and so we need to know about them. We need to be trained to discern them. And he says in 1 Timothy 4, 6, if you put these things before the brothers, and I think the th- these things here is the entire chapter thus far, specifically, if you look back at chapter 3, verse 14, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things, see the connection, to you so that if I delay, you know how to, one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and a buttress of truth. And so Paul is writing to Timothy, to us, here's how we ought to conduct ourselves in the church. We ought to teach and comfort each other with these things. There are false teachers out there. There's the gospel. We need to pray. We need good leaders because we need a church that is a church of the living God. That is two things. It is the pillar and buttress of truth. The pillar is not so much the Uh, strength of the building. That is the buttress. The pillar there is more for the beauty. It's to promote the beauty of the church. And the buttress there is to promote the stability of the church. And so there is a pleasing aspect to the church and there is an enduring aspect to the church. And so Paul says, Timothy, you put these things before them. And if you go back to 4.6, how is he to do it? You will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. You will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. Being trained, there's another physical fitness word, or nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine you have followed. You're to teach others these things so that they would be nourished and strengthened. More on that next week. And we get to the key verses here. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. There are a lot of silly myths out there. Go to the library, go to, especially in a secular uh, Library and go to the religious section. Lots of silliness. Have nothing to do with those. Rather, here's the key. Train yourself for godliness. Discipline. You know what the word discipline is in the Greek? It's gymnazo, where we get the word gymnasium. Discipline yourself. That word gets a bad rap in the church these days. Bad rap. You need to be disciplined. People immediately go to legalism. Oh, you're telling me what to do. No, nobody's telling you 
what to do. Nobody's making it a salvific issue. It gets mistaken easily for legalism. One guy has said, listen to this quote, modern Christians are not lacking in relevance. What they do lack is a disciplined life and a critical mind to resist the temptation to conform to what everybody thinks or does. Discipline is what the church needs. Spiritual discipline in specific areas is what the church needs. Why? Because discipline brings freedom. Discipline, you mean to tell me submitting yourself to some plan brings freedom. Ah, That's what I'm telling you. Discipline brings freedom. For you hockey fans in there, I'm trying to touch on everybody here today. Wayne Gretzky is more free on the ice than me. Right? If, if we were to go to the Eagle Pool and Ice Rink over here and Wayne was there, you would much rather see Wayne on the ice than your pastor because Wayne has disciplined himself not only to skate well, but he has the stick and the puck and he is sick with the stick. He's good. Bubba Watson, for you golfers out there, Bubba Watson is more free than me and Ben Daly on the golf course. He just is. Because he puts time and effort, lots of time and lots of effort on the range to make sure that little white ball goes a long, long way, really, really high and really, really straight. When we play, it doesn't go very far. Sometimes it goes really high. Now I've been past the first tee box. And often it goes right or left. But Bubba and those guys spend a lot of time being disciplined. And that transfers into your spiritual life. I remember one time hearing from my former pastor who said he was trying to disciple a guy. And this guy was on the golf team at the University of North Texas. And he just came into Tom's office and he goes, man, I'm just not disciplined. And Tom looks at him and says, you are disciplined. I just drove by the driving range. It was sleeting rain and you were out there hitting golf balls. He said, you're just disciplined maybe in the wrong areas. You're disciplined. And that discipline can bring you freedom. Another thing we need to know about discipline is discipline is not routine. Routine is good. Routine is brushing your teeth. It takes little effort brushing your teeth. It takes little effort, takes little time, helps maintain that pretty smile. Discipline takes lots of time, lots of effort, and it's for making progress. Have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, rather train yourself for godliness. Here in verse 8, he tells you why should we discipline ourselves for godliness? For while bodily training is of some value, I like that. I like that translation, some value. Some of you have translations that say, while bodily training is of little value, and there you use that, see, I don't need to work out. The Bible says little value. Some value. He explains it more here in just a second. For godliness is of value in every way. And here's the context. Here's what he means. As it holds promise for this present life and the life to come. And so when you discipline yourself for godliness, it helps you today in the physical life and tomorrow in the life to come. Amen? In context, that means that bodily training has of some value, i.e. in this life today. You will be healthier. You will have more energy. You will be able to do things. 
something that you think you, that you didn't think you could do. If you have good physical discipline. Bodily training is of some value. But here's the great hope. Say Jesus were to come like right now. Guess what? We all get glorified bodies. We all do. It's a promise given to every person. It's not a conditional promise. Well, if you take good care of your body now, you'll get a, you, you'll get a glorified body. If you don't take, you'll get kind of a semi-glorified body. That's just not true. We all get one. So that's why it's of some value because in the life to come, we all have the glorified bodies. Godliness is of value in every way. It holds promise for this life. You can actually see the fruit of the Spirit in your life today. You can know you're walking with Jesus. The love, the joy, the peace, the patience. You can, you can see it. That godliness has value today. And you're storing up treasures in heaven. And it has value in the life to come. And Paul ends that with this. This saying is trustworthy and deserving full acceptance. Amen? And so... Bringing it full circles, verse 7 says we want to be fit. Verse 8 tells us why, for life. Now and later, and that is why you see our series logo. Fit for life. Train for godliness. Yes, take care of your physical body, but more importantly, take care of your spiritual body, so to speak. All that being said, we come now, rather quickly, to the workout of the week. Now, before you begin any exercise program, you've seen the videos, why I'm wearing it today, what do they tell you before you begin any exercise program, please check with your doctor. Make sure. How many of you have done that? You you bought P90X, you turned it on and Horton says, please check with your doctor. You're like, oh, hold on one second. Gotta, can't find anything when I've got this doctor's thing on call. Dr. Mark, hey, Dr. Mark, I've got a video here. I'm going to exercise. What do you think? No? Okay. Doctor said no. No. But as a one who wants to promote good physical and spiritual fitness, before we begin any exercise program, we need to know, number one, the big picture, right? You want a goal. You want to go somewhere. You want to lose some weight? You have a goal weight in mind. You want to gain some weight? You have a goal weight in mind. You want to... You want to run a race, you have a goal in mind. You, you don't run aimlessly. You don't box us beating the air. My wife and I are training. It helps us setting a goal. It helps us train. We're training for something. Well, here's the picture. Here's the picture. Romans 8, 29 and 30. Spiritual picture. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's what we're going after. You want a picture? You want a picture of your spiritual training? You want to look like Jesus. That's the that's the spiritual picture. You're being, you and I are being conformed to the image of His Son. We're gonna, we want to look like Jesus. That's a great question. In my preaching, do I look like Jesus? In my loving on my wife, do I look like Jesus? He gave me Ephesians five for that. In my parenting, do I look like Jesus? He gave me Ephesians six for that. Do I look like Jesus? In order that he might be the first more among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. If he predestined you, he calls you. And those whom he called, he justified. If he calls you, he will justify you. And those whom he justified, here's the goal in picture. We will be glorified. We will be with him someday. We will look like him someday. Amen? That's the goal. You've got to have that in mind. That's got to be before you.
I know of some who have put, um, if they were going to said some place on their honeymoon, they put a picture of Fiji. That's where I'm headed. That's my goal. I'm training to get there. But our picture is more than Fiji. Our picture is the second person of the Trinity. We want to be conformed to the image of Christ. And we are. And you want to know where that power comes from. You're going to want to know how to do it, especially on days when it's tough. Especially on days if you're supposed to go out and run and it's windy and it's rainy and you don't want to do it. You have to know where is your power coming from. First Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. You also need to know where your strength comes from. Now may the God of peace sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love this last verse. He who calls you, the one who predestined and calls and justifies, he who calls you is faithful. I love this. He will surely do it. Amen? That gives me great comfort on those bad days in my spiritual walk. If I'm having a bad day, God, your word tells me you're in the business of sanctifying me completely. Help me. Enable me. I need you. I'm dependent on you. And we need to know why. Why are we doing this? We're not just doing it just to... We're not like Arnold. We're having big muscles. Um, I may wear the sweats one day. That would be pretty cool. We're not just here to do that. We're not here to glamorize, as he would say. We're here for a purpose. Colossians 1, 28 and 29. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Amen? So you're telling me God does it entirely, but He's called us to get involved? Mm-hmm. You, you mean to tell me He's absolutely sovereign and still He's holding me responsible? Responsible? I am. You mean to tell me he, he wants me to work hard as if I were working it out on my own? Yes, but He wants you to recognize it's His power within you. Last verse. For I toil... And here's that word again. It was used in Timothy as, as uh, discipline. It's here. Struggle. I gymnazo. I discipline. I struggle with all His energy that He powerfully works within me. I'm the one doing it. God's called me to sweat, to persevere, to lift heavy weight, to work it uh, hard. Work so hard that I feel like I'm going to fall over dead, but it's good for my heart. Have you ever exercised that hard? Where you're like breathing fire, you've exercised that hard. Some of you are nodding your heads, you're like, yes. Let me just share a little side story. So I'm in a class at the Gypsum Rec Center, go GYP, um, and it's kind of a model off CrossFit. And when I first started about seven weeks ago, I could barely get up the stairs. I was coming, it's upstairs, and, and so I'm coming down the stairs actually, and I was like, really? We just did what? These are tree trunks going down these stairs. And it hurt. And it was painful. But the next time, didn't quite hurt as much. And I noticed I could do a little bit more. And I'm getting a little bit stronger. So much so that I'm throwing big weights over my head. And I'm like, this is pretty cool. My entire body is changing, both muscularly, cardiovascularly. I had to strive. I had to work hard. So much so the guy would, he likes to pick on me for some reason. He says, you're not going low enough. Or he gets in my face and he pushes me. And I don't sit there and go, I can't believe he would get in my face like that. That is so mean. 
Why? Because I know he's got my best interest at heart. I know he's not trying to hurt me. He's just pushing me maybe where I would stop. Amen? Everybody likes trainers like that. Yes? No? Some of you? Most of you? Yes, you want somebody to push you. Interestingly, though, when we get to the spiritual life, really, I have to struggle? You mean, like we just read, if you're in a community group, um, let me quote him. Take it out of context. What's his name? Epaphras? Remember Epaphras? He struggled for you in prayer? Do we do that? We, are we keeping each other accountable? How are you doing in struggling in prayer? Well, the Christian life should not be a struggle. It should be one of these. No, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. It's still a yoke. We don't want to talk about that when it gets to the spiritual life. Oh, it's okay over here for your little gym class, Judd. But don't come to me with struggle and agonize. Literally, that's what that is. There's two words there. There's one of gymnazo and there's one of agonize. I agonize, I gymnazo. I agonize in the gym according to his power. But when we get to the spiritual life, we kind of don't want to push anybody like that. You don't want somebody in your face saying you can do better than that. But if we knew that people were up close and nose to nose because they loved us, we might accept it. Amen? Anybody ever seen the movie Facing the Giants? Anyone? Anyone? Remember the kid got on the goal line? Had to do the bear crawl? Was ready to quit at about yard two? And the coach gets down? And I love what he did. You can do it, buddy. Right? That's what he did. Is that what he did? Patted him on the back. Way to go, boy. Come on. Give it all you got. We're all waiting on you. No, he got in his face. He was down there. And the kid was ready to quit halfway through. No, you're almost there. You just keep pushing. You just keep pushing. You just keep pushing. And he got down there with him. He wasn't just standing up, blowing the... He was down there with him and he was crawling with him. You're almost there. You're almost there. And he gets to the other end. And he'd gone the whole field. He would not have done that on his own. He had to have a coach come beside him, push him. That's our purpose. We want to see everybody mature in Christ. Everybody. We want to see everybody grow. That's that idea of grow in Christ. We want to see everybody become physically mature and spiritually well we want to see everybody become spiritually mature in Christ as someone would want to see themselves grow physically. And the process, again, is First Timothy 4, 6, and 7. The process, train yourself for godliness. For bodily discipline is of some value. Amen? We should do it. Everybody should do it. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit within you. If you don't work out for any other reason, you should say, I want to make this home for the Holy Spirit. I want to be a good steward. God gave it to me. I'm going to take care of it. Does that mean you give up all chocolate cake, all whatever? No. The Holy Spirit likes chocolate cake, too. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that's your, that's your sustenance. You go to the opening day at uh, Coors Field. I just said Coors in a sermon. You go to opening day 
go to opening day, and if it's not your conviction to do something else, do what every normal person does on opening day. Get a hot dog and put, I mean, yes, I know what goes in the hot dogs. We're not going to talk about that, but just eat it to the glory of God. Hold it up and say, thank you for this hot dog. And drink something, Coke, a diet, not even diet, drink regular Coke. Anyway, we're not getting into the details, whatever. But just enjoy yourself. But don't make that like for breakfast, hot dog, lunch, burger, dinner, tacos. Not good for the body. Vegetable or fruits, vegetables, more fruits and vegetables, things like that. Amen. You know that. I'm looking at some of you who have degrees in this. so I will hush now on the physical exercise. But that brings me to our workout of the week. Love it. In CrossFit, they give you a wad, a workout of the day. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I show up to the Gypsum Rec Center. I walk up there, and I am in the habit of taking a picture of my workout and texting it to some of you, letting you know the uh, trepidation I'm about ready to go through, letting you know just how hard it's going to hurt me for another hour. And all I get back is, oh, that's cake. You're a wimp. That's my workout of the day. So we're having one for Eagle Bible Church. It's called the Workout of the Week. And you have it in your chair, one near you. The EBC Wow. That's what we're calling it, Workout of the Week. This is the number one. I call it the physical, spiritual, physical. Like any good trainer, coach, or doctor would do, we want to take a good old-fashioned fitness test before we get started so we can honestly assess our current condition. Amen? You walk in, they want to know, do you do this? Do you do this? How are you you exercising? They just go through. And so let me walk you through this. And each week we're going to have one, and they're going to follow the spiritual discipline. So next week we're talking about food for the soul, and we're talking about the Bible. So there's going to be a wow workout for the Bible should you take the challenge. Here on the physical side, I just, uh, because I'm your pastor and I care for your physical health as as well as your spiritual health, how are you doing these following uh, eight areas? Rate yourself. Nutrition. How are you doing? I went through, just so you know, I'm not calling you to do something that I didn't do myself. Rated myself this morning. How are you doing nutrition-wise? How are you doing with breathing? You know, that's one we forget about, right? We just forget. We actually do breathe, and there are proper ways to breathe. It's helpful. You get it. If you learn some breathing exercises, try it this week. I'm sure some of you will go home and Google it. You will breathe better. You will feel better. Flexibility. Can you touch your toes? If not, why not? You should be able to touch your toes. I could show you some exercises after. Maybe I will at the family lunch of things that are teaching me of how I can touch my toes. I can do the warrior pose and all this other stuff. Strength training. How's your heart? How are your muscles? You in good shape? Need to be in better shape? How about endurance training? Can you go for a long time? Can you go on a hike? Can you hike up into the boneyards without... We've got to be in good shape. How about rest? That may be a big one for all of us. Do you rest? Do you rest well, not just on Sunday afternoons? Do you rest well every day? Are you good at rest? I can give you all sorts of scriptures, starting with Psalm 127. He gives his beloved sleep. If you have not slept well... This week, after the family lunch, go take a nap. 
your spouse, you say, the pastor said, I am to sleep. You take care of the kids. I'm going to take a nap. Do it. I'm telling you, the physical is so tied to the spiritual, and you'll see this in one of the videos coming up in the following weeks, that when you get a bad night's rest, that really has effect, because the Holy Spirit can work directly through miracle and and anything, and most often He works indirectly through the normal means of life. When I don't get a good night's sleep, I can be short with people. And that is called a sin. If I get a good night's rest... I can show some patience, and patience is a fruit of the Spirit. So it all goes together. How, about, how are you doing in your physical rest? How about personal coaching? The idea behind this is, are you getting coaching from somebody outside you? I've got one who gets in my face physically. I've got a few men around me who spiritually help me with accountability. But do you have someone above you? you have a Paul? If you're a Timothy, do you have a Paul? Somebody pouring into you? If not, why not? And training others. Training others. Do you have somebody in your life that you're teaching? And this could be, are you passing on the skill of cooking? Are you passing on the skill, etc.? But in your physical life, do you have people above you and below you that you're leaving the legacy of love for the next generation? Spiritually, how's your Bible intake? Be like the Bereans who eagerly examine the Scripture every day. They heard Paul. They took him at his word. But they went and said, is what Paul says is true. How's your Bible intake? How are your prayer patterns? Right? You're breathing. I assure you, if you go Google, you might go, wow, I don't really pay attention to my breathing. And it's the same for prayer. How are your prayer patterns? Do you pray without ceasing? What does that look like in your life? How about the ability to change? Be ready in season and out of season. That's what he called Timothy to do. That means you've got to be ready because life throws you curveballs. You go to Easter dinner last week and you're having a great time and then all of a sudden your bride has got the chills. The worst sickness she's had since I've known her. And so things get turned. And are you able to flex and cook for the kids? I'm show, telling you, I know how to whip up a bowl of cereal. PB&Js are good. Right? Because when mama goes down, you realize, wow, praise the Lord for mamas. It's not even Mother's Day, but it's coming up. May 12th, the discipline of motherhood. That was just a shameless plug for another sermon. Uh, spiritual disciplines. Look below. You've got reading the Bible, praying, journaling, worshiping, serving, evangelism, giving, fasting, resting, silence, and solitude. Those are the traditional ones. But there's non-traditional ones. Are you in the discipline of repentance? Yikes. Are you in the discipline of faith? Oh, that's one the Lord's working on me with. If you were in Sunday school last week, you know how the Lord is working on me in faith. Is my faith, is my faith big? doesn't need to be big according to the Bible, but is it even the size of a mustard seed? Do I have the discipline of faith and trust in God and just watching? Okay, I'm going to trust. I'm going to watch. I'm going to build my faith here. Or the discipline of thanksgiving, the discipline of encouraging, the discipline of planning. I'm going to add one. just came to my mind because we've been taught about it for a couple weeks in Sunday school. The discipline of joy. Huh? The discipline of joy. Are you a happy person all the time? Not even happy, but are you a joyful person? So take that. That's your little workout of the week. We'll have one every week. And notice what it says there. What's your fitness number? All I did was, I, I believe there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I just did what number I got out of 80. See what kind of percent I'm at. Uh, which area do you want to start with? I'm supposing no temptation or no problem is 
uh, overtaken me, but such as is common to all of you, that I'm not the only one in here who has things to work on. Where do you want to start? What area do you want to start with? And the key, I dare you, double dog dare you, solicit the advice of another. Submit your physical, your physical, spiritual physical, to somebody and say, is this accurate? You see that in my life? No. It's going to be somebody you trust, somebody that knows you. But let them say, yeah, but I think you may be a little hard on yourself in this area. And over here, you may be a little bit too light on yourself. Somebody that loves you, somebody that trusts you. Somebody that walk alongside you and say, hey, I love you enough to want to help you work this out. As Paul said to the Philippians, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. God is at work in you to will and to work His good pleasure. Father, I pray as we work out our salvation over these next weeks and we look into the spiritual disciplines, the disciplines of grace that help us to fall deeper in love with You, to help us to keep our eyes focused on Your Son, to help us grow strong in the faith so that we may be bold, effective witnesses to a dying world. I pray that you would use this series to forever change your life. That it wouldn't just be a a fun series that we go through, but it would be a fundamental series that sticks with us until your son returns or you take us home. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.